What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Now, before we go ahead and get started, I want to go ahead and tell you guys about Disrupt Week. Now, Disrupt Week is an amazing, amazing event. It's a week-long, yes, you heard me right, a week-long networking entrepreneurship-based event in San Juan, Puerto Rico. My God, you want to go network with somebody? Go network in paradise. Network in San Juan, Puerto Rico. From October 19th to October 26th, Disrupt and Build Your Empire are hosting this event, Disrupt Week, to help bring 50-plus speakers and 500-plus attendees together to network and make the world a better place. Now, if you want to come to this event and listen from speakers like Anthony Delgado, Chris Delgado, <clears throat> Casey Adams, John Malott, Alex Quinn... Uh, Sam Bakhtiar, Stephen Campolo, the list goes on and on and on and on. If you want to hear from people like this, go ahead and hit me up in my DMs on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. Let's go to Puerto Rico, baby. Let's make it happen. Now, that's it for that. Let's continue on with the show. Welcome to the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show, where we speak with elite individuals and top performers and sing what it takes to stay healthy and get wealthy. Are you ready to be elite? Are you ready to be part of the 1%? Well, then without further ado, let's get it. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Today, I have another amazing serial entrepreneur on the show today. He is self-proclaimed God on the line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but he actually recently went viral with a lot of comedy sketches that he's been doing. He has a major TEDx talk that you need to go watch. And he is a serial speaker. He's been speaking at events all over the country. We have the man, not the myth, because he's here, the legend, Brian Breach. Brian, how's it going, man? What's going on, man? Yeah, I've been, I've been speaking about serial a lot. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What's going on, guys? How's everyone doing? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, man. I know we've connected, uh, you know, a couple times on social media and then, you know, in person at the uh, Social X Hustle Inspires Hustle event in Miami. And I, I knew I just had to have you on the show. So awesome, man. Yeah, that was a fun day. That dude jumping off the roof. Oh, dude, that was insane. I missed it, bro. I missed that. I missed filming that. I was so annoyed. I was like, damn, I was underneath the awning. I think me, I don't know if, if you were under there. I think we were talking, but he jumped off and I was hoping someone else would jump off so I can get it on my stories. But nope, missed it. Yeah, and dope. dude, he came out with a he came out with like no scratches, like he was fine. Freaking nuts, bro! Like I don't third know. story of a mansion, just yeah. Fine. <laughs> I just have a feeling if I did it, I would slip and crack my head, and that'd be the end of my life. Yeah, so I, I mean, I saw him. He was like winding up to jump, and I was I I had to like I was up there with him, and I had to leave. It was like I can't see this. Like I know he's gonna fuck up. <laughs> I need to get out of here, but he was fine. It was it was awesome, dude. It was he did great. a great job. That event was awesome, man. Networking with you guys was so incredible. That, that was a great day. I had a blast. Oh, fantastic. You know, side note for all you guys listening, um, we haven't really gotten to the show yet, but, you know, side note for you guys listening, go to these networking events. I mean, because that's where you get connected with people like Brian, and then you have these, like, crazy experiences that you can, like, share yeah. stories, and it just, it makes everything, it makes life so much more fun. It makes it a lot exactly. better. Yeah. We're so, some way, shape, or form bonded by life through that event now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> so, why don't we go ahead and get into it. For those of you who do not know who you are, Mr. Breach, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story and what got you to where you are today? Because I know it's a long one. I know it's an amazing one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. When people ask what, what I do and what I am, I, I, you know, I don't even know what to tell them anymore. I guess I'm a, a man of many hats, figuratively and literally. I, you know, like you said, I speak. I've done a recent TEDx, a couple of things I did went viral, which kind of, you know, created a lot of opportunity for me. So, 
I guess you could say my journey started off back in New York. I was born to a, a very busy dad, an extremely abusive mom. It was, it was crazy growing up. And uh, she was arrested during that time on interstate trafficking charges. My dad tried to plant like these little audio cassette tapes around the house to try to catch my mom's abuse going on so uh, he can win us in the custody battle. It didn't end up working. But, um, around that time, my, my dad was, uh, my mom was cheating on my dad. She contracted HIV and uh, she didn't know about it yet. And then we moved to Florida, she started getting really sick. But before that, she met this guy named Jordan. He was kind of like a stepdad to me. He lived with us for four or five years. And um, right when, at, at the end of my mom being really sick and, and going into the hospital, he got murdered in some kind of drug deal in a parking lot over in, over in Boca. And uh, he was airlifted to the hospital. He died. And then my mom um, passed away in the hospital. And then right around that time, my dad got custody. And when my dad got custody, we were he was super broke. He was sleeping on the floor. And he ended up meeting this woman who became my stepmom. We moved into our house. And that first month after, just right after my mom passed, my stepmom has like a has a brain tumor. She has a grand mal seizure, so she almost loses her life that first month. She's out of work forever, and then uh, within the next couple of years, my dad has back surgery. He had a bad back since he was a kid. They gave him a staph infection. He almost died in the hospital. Um, he was out of work for nine months. So it was like it was like chaos and free for all. I had I had like four or five other family members die around that time as well. So I, I felt like super on my own and independent. And I always had that like hustler's mindset because I always felt like I didn't have anyone to do anything for me you know what I mean everybody was in their own world everyone you know things were going on so at the age of 11 I started working um I worked for that actually I worked in um as a dishwasher and a cashier for Jordan before he died then at the age of 12 was the only age that I couldn't get a job I tried so hard and then 13 I was a dishwasher at a restaurant and then I, went for, I worked two jobs in high school uh busboy uh, in an Italian restaurant and a Chinese restaurant. Then I worked at, uh, I finally moved up to being a waiter at Bennigan's. That turned into like telemarketing. And then I became a manager in the age of like 2021. 20, I was working at this telemarketing agency and they used to make fun of me because I used to go in there dressed up all the time. But I went in there as the mindset that I'm going to take over this place and be a manager. I don't want to fucking sit on the phones. And within two months, I was running the entire place. I had 50 employees underneath me. I was doing all the sales training, the hiring, the firing. Uh, the payroll, all that stuff. Um, then my last nine to five came from 2004 to 2008. Um, I was an admissions advisor on an online college. And uh, in 2006, I was arrested twice. And what happened was they fired me, not because of the arrest, but because I was doing music a lot, uh, which is what got me verified on Instagram. And um, they were like, look, man, we, we love you, but you can't work here no more. You're not doing your thing. But if you want to work in another department, they'll hire you. So I went to go get hired in another department, which was right downstairs. And they ran my background check for some reason, even though I've already worked for the company for four years and they wouldn't hire me. So after that, I was fucked. I like, I couldn't get a job nowhere. I had these two arrests under my, under my belt. I just got fired. I was scared to death. And I just started like doing hip, more hip hop shows instead of, instead of just being, uh, waiting to be booked on the shows. I started throwing them myself, uh, with my, with my partner, Lex one. And, uh, we started making money that way. And that literally rolled into a hip hop blog called getthatpapersun.com, which ended up having 2 million hits at the end of its tenure. That rolled into a hip hop label called GTPS. And we had like eight rappers and groups underneath us collectively opening up for major artists. That turned into a tangible printing business, which turned into my clothing line, Psyche Clothing, which I'm now about to resurrect. And that turned into a, a, a social media business. And then boom, the rest, it was just one failure after another leading to leading to where I'm at now. And then boom, I got a TEDx after I quit music. And then one of, one of the things I did went internationally viral. And ever since then, it's just been like opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. 
And that's the very, very short version of this story. <laughs> holy, so, yeah. holy shit. What the? Wow. That's, that's a lot. You, you've had a quite eventful life so far. Yeah, man. If I told you a little bit more, it would probably make your head spin. But yeah, that, that's, the, that's the very quick three-minute version, I guess. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a weird, it's been an odd life. But you know how I look at it like, oh, you know, all these negative things happen. And, and we, live, we live this life once. We're only going to be here one time. That's it. We have, I don't, whether you believe in heaven or hell, whether you believe in reincarnation, no matter what you believe on this earth, we're only going to be here once. So if you sit there and dwell on the past and you cry and you're hurt about it every day, which, you know, I've had my moments, but you're going to get pulled into this, this shitty hole. So what you need to do is take all this negative stuff that happened to you and use it to propel you forward like a steam engine. Anytime a girlfriend has fucked me over, anytime someone has died in my life, anytime uh, a, a hater comes out the woodworks, I literally have a fire and a chip on my shoulder and I just keep using it to move me forward instead of sitting in my bed crying under the covers. You know what I mean? There's, you know, what other option do you have? When you've been through so much negativity, the only other choice you have is to be positive. There's no other way. That is beautiful. That is awesome. I mean, that's, that's something I've really tried to take into account with it. I mean, I haven't gone through nearly as much as you have, but I mean, you know, I've had my, fa- we, we've all had our fair share of like shortcomings or like negative. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Life. And there's people that were way worse off than me. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, that's a lot of negative. There was plenty of positive in my life. So I'm grateful that I wasn't in a, a work situation that some, you know, I could be in the, I could have the most craziest, shittiest story ever. There's somebody out there, no matter what, that has a harder story and harder life. So, you know, I'm grateful for everything that I've been through and what I have. And I try my best not to live with regrets because those regrets make you learn. What else, what else is there? They, 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 you learn from your experience and you move forward. Right. You know? Absolutely. So how did you make that? Uh, Cause I know you mentioned like you have one of, you have one of two choices. You can either think on the positive or the negative, but right. that's still, you know, for a lot of people, that's a very hard shift to make. So right. how did you make that? Sh- I mean, going through so much in your life so far, how did you make that shift into from negativity and like, Oh, what was me? Like the world's out to give me to, I live in abundance and gratitude like that. I see you're living in today. Right. You know, you know what it is. And I know it sounds weird. I was thinking about this the other day, but like when, when that stuff was happening growing up, I thought it was normal. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know that getting your ass whooped by your mom was not normal. I, when my mom contracted HIV and she was dying, I thought to myself that she's not going to die. I'm a kid. It's like a cartoon to me. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, ah, God, God got her. She's, she's not going nowhere. Like it, those things, it wasn't until after the fact, it wasn't until years later that I was like, holy shit. That was crazy. My dad, uh, when he recorded those audio cassette tapes, when I was 24 years old, we started talking about it. I don't know how it came up, but he goes, you know, I still have the tapes of when your mom used to beat the shit out of you, these little audio cassette tapes. And uh, I played them back when I was 24. And it wasn't until like, it wasn't until I was like 24 and I heard, it, I was like, wow, that shit was actually really crazy. But going through it at the time, I never thought negatively about it. I never thought you know, this, this is crazy. I just thought it was normal. This is how people live. How would I know any different? You know what I mean? Until I'm finally out of that weird situation. Um, so yeah, it just, I, and you know, it's instilled in me, my dad, my mom and her side of the family, they were all nuts. You know I mean? My dad, you know, he's, he's in his own world sometimes, but he, he's more on the positive side. So I think I got that from him. So not only is it instilled in me, but I surrounded myself with people like my, my good friend, Lex one, who's always a problem solver. Anything that came up, He's solving problems. So thank God, you know, I had to strategically cut out people out of my life. I, I'd get negative friends. I'd be like, nah, this person, every time we go out, he wants to fight. I can't have that. 
you know, this person, every time he goes out, he wants to act a fool. Can't have that. And then I finally started like finding my rhythm of who I need to be around. And once I, you get around that rhythm, you start absorbing from these people. My boy Lex was a problem solver. So I started absorbing that from him. I have other friends that, you know, we talk about business. And I started absorbing that from him. So I think, you know, once I got into a positive surrounding, I just started like absorbing it. Like, like I don't know, I'm just trying to think of a superhero that absorbs powers and uh, you, you just learn from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. I mean, your, your environment determines the, the internal of what you think. That's, I mean, that's something I heavily believe in. How do you right, make that shift though from like um, noticing where you're at, like being aware of where you're at, knowing where you need to be and then making those adjustments in your environment? Cause I mean, that's, that's a tough thing to do is like, you know, cause you oh, yeah. knew that you, where you were, you knew he had to cut people out, but you know, it's, it's hard to cut people out. Like, how do you still go through that process of, you know, doing the things that you know you need to do, but not letting it, you like not letting those processes hold you back from actually doing it. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Like, like I'll give you an example. So when I was, I think one of my first apartments that I had, I was 19 or 20. Right. And me and my roommate were best friends, but he had a group of friends and I had a group of friends and those group of friends uh, in, and you know, I may smoke every once in a while now, but back then these guys were smoking weed every minute of every day. I just can't, you know, it wasn't my thing. I may have sold it to him, but I didn't smoke it. <laughs> um, but I Entrepreneur, smoke. baby. But yeah. So, yeah. So basically what happened was me and him started getting arguments and he was like bitching to me. He was like, bro, you never fucking hang out, blah, blah, blah. You know? And, and I was like, I don't know. You got you. I was like, yo, you got your own friends. I got my own friends. Like, you know, you're one of my best friends, but so, you know, I kind of like slowly got them away because they were, they were going down odd paths, you know? And um, um, it's a thing just like, I'm, I'm, I'm honest with people. Like I had this one guy, Todd, he was a friend of mine in life, but he, he was just like a user. And like, he, so I told him, I was like, yo, get the fuck out of here. Like, so I never was scared to like cut people out. I would be honest with people. I'm like, yo, I don't like the way you are, bro. Like, you know, and it was just always a thing for me. I, I literally, it took me a long time to find a crew of mine that was like the right people. And I would tell people, honestly, I'm like, or, or you know, sometimes you just fade away from people without even expressing it. Um, I had a friend named John. And I don't know what it was about him. He was just like so conceited all the time. Like everything is about him and he's the best. I was like, yo, shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to hear this. So we just kind of fell off and I just never rekindled my friendship with him. Uh, you know, I had another friend, Gabe, like loved him to death. We hung out all the time. But again, every time I was with him, yo, let me get money. Let me do this. And he did some grimy shit and he fucked me over. Boom. Next one gone. Never, never answer the phone. Never answer my door again. So I don't care, bro. Like, I got to a point in my life that I was so sick of people bullshit and so sick of people trying to fuck me over that I'm just like, I'm over it. So I'm very, it's not hard for me these days to cut somebody out, you know, even girlfriends, you know, I've been in situations where, and those are harder because you're in an intimate situation with someone. It's, it was hard for me to cut some girls out that I was with, but they were sucking the life out of me, but eventually it exploded and I did, and I never looked back. And again, I use all those things. And what I do is I don't want to be, I, you know, everyone has maybe a little vindictive side, but I don't want to be vindictive to people. What my revenge has always been, and recently even more, is me just getting a new gig, getting a new speaking gig, something going viral, getting my 10x. Once I post these things, I know they get back to these people somehow, some way through the grapevine. And it gives me like this little level of satisfaction that they know that Brian has not folded and he has not fell on his face after being fucked over. And you guys tried to kill me, not literally, but figuratively. And, uh, and I'm still going. So that propels me knowing that my success is my revenge. It's just like, ah, yes. Like, 
I pray that some of the stuff I did gets back to my exes. I'm like, I hope they pop up on my stories to see what I'm doing. <laughs> that shit makes me feel amazing. I know it sounds messed up a little bit, but I oh, love it. Not that. at all. Like I completely, dude, it's a double whammy, man. Like it was just anybody, like anybody that's wronged you. It's like, they can see, you know, like, you know, they might think like, oh man, like they needed me in their life or, oh, you know, like we were boys. So like they, they needed me as their friend. And then they see you doing like crazy shit and they're like, well, damn, like, one, you're improving Two, like you're showing them. Yeah. I didn't need you. So it's like, it's exactly. a double win. I completely get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly love it. And I, again, I, ha- I hate being vindictive, but once I hear it through the grapevine, that's like, like I'll give you a, this is a dumb example. I, I didn't mean for this to happen. One night I was at a club. It was St. Patty's Day right before I did the TEDx. I just got word that I got that I got selected out of 62 people. And I ran into my ex's friend. It was a guy friend. And it was like, I couldn't even avoid him. It was like, we were in an alley or right in front of this club. And we just like, boom. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? He's like, hey, what's up? How you been doing? I was like, I've been doing good, man. Hey, you should come to my TEDx coming up. And he's like, oh, cool, man. And I just, I, I, I felt so good. Because I knew that TEDx was like a significant thing. And I remember my ex had watched TEDx's before. And I just, I don't know where it came from. And I just had to throw that in there. I was like, yo, man, come to my TEDx. Peace. And I know he, you know, he probably went back and told her, you know what I mean? And and, yeah. and again, it's just those little life wins. It's those little yeah. life wins. Oh, know? man. That, that, I'm just, I'm trying to experience that moment with you. And it's, oh, that feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Actually, that that's a good transition because uh, I did want to talk to you about uh, your TEDx talk. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, what what was that experience like? It was crazy because I knew I knew that um, I knew that it was significant, but I didn't realize how significant until after it came out. So, long story short, and I made a mistake on telling the story before. It, it like I would always say it had to do with two girls in one couch, but I actually just spoke to my boy that was involved in how it happened. And it wasn't a damn couch that we picked up. It was a fucking table. So this whole time I've been telling the wrong, I've been telling the right story, but the wrong verbiage. So yeah, long we'll, story we'll short, keep it two girls, one couch. Yeah. yeah. Two, <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, uh, my boy asked me to help him move one morning and you know, I, I hate moving and I hate helping people move, but it's my boy and that's what I do, you know? So we're moving all day. And the one part he forgot to tell me is like, Oh, by the way, bro, we have to drive 40 minutes to my brother's house to pick up a table. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, this is like an all day move, bro. This isn't like, I'm going to move like five, six, eight hours here, bro. But whatever, we, I followed him all the way to his boy's house. I mean, all the way to his brother's house in Cooper City from like, I don't know, a sample or something like that. Um, and when we get there, there was this uh, cute girl there. And we're, you know, they invited us in, we're talking. And this was his brother's house. So, so you know, I knew some of the people there. And I was like, damn, she's cute. And they're, they're like, hey, we're going to have a little party here later. You should come back. So, I'm like, okay, whatever. We, we go back and I'm scrubbing and I got dirt on my face and they're texting us, just come back. Don't even go home and change. This is hours later. And I, I hate going into a place unless I change. You know what I mean? So um, I'm right there with you. Because, right, right. And I'm like, all right, you know what? The girl's probably there. Um, let me just go back, right? So I go back and I get in front of the house. There's like a hundred cars out front. I'm like, oh my God, I can't go in like this, but fuck it. So when I get there, the girl that I initially gone back for wasn't even there. But here's the thing, though, like if, if I hadn't helped him move, if he didn't have to pick up the table, if that girl wasn't there, I wouldn't have got in a situation where TEDx was being talked about. So the other girl who was there was my my boys, uh, uh, a girl that he used to date. And she's like, hey, Brian, you're, you've been doing a lot of shit on social media. Hey, I'm, I'm on the board of this TEDx. You should submit. And I was like, yo, and here's the thing. I always tell people that you need to take opportunity, even if you don't know you have the ability to do it. 
because I've rapped and I've been on stage before, but I've never in my life given a 12 minute or 15 minute verbatim speech. I didn't even know I had the capability of doing it. I didn't know how to do a PowerPoint. I didn't know how to do any of that shit, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yes. I said yes before I even thought that I could do it. So I went home, I took like two or three days. I didn't know how to use PowerPoint. I tutorialed it. I learned it in like two hours. I know it's not a big deal, but I did it, you know? Yeah. Um, um, they, there was, they were like, Hey, you need a curriculum vital, whatever. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I had to Google what that meant. It meant resume. So I, <laughs> I went on fiber.com because I haven't had a resume in 10 years. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I went on fiber.com. I created a resume. I submitted, I waited a little bit. I got chosen out of 62 people. It was bizarre, bro. Um, and then, and then there were seven rehearsals leading up to it. Um, so every week I had to commit myself to these rehearsals, um, and then it, it was just this incredible experience. And actually, they just recently hit me up to be a judge on a new TEDx coming up September 7th. Um, so I'm, I'm super hyped about that. So the experience was amazing. It finally came out. And um, it, what the cool part about it was not only did I get to do a TEDx that day, but they asked me to do a whole spoken word piece to open the entire event in front of two, 300 people the same day of my TEDx. So I opened the entire event rapping about TEDx. And then like uh, an hour or two later, I did my TEDx. So I was on double duty um, and it was super cool. And long story short, after it came out, it's like, I'll introduce my, Hey, how you doing? Hey, what do you do? Brian? Like even at the social X event. Right. So this girl's like, what do you, what have you done lately? I was like, Oh, you know, I did some viral stuff and I've been speaking a lot. And then it was kind of quiet. And then I was like, and I recently did a TEDx and she goes, oh, you did a TEDx? <laughs> Nothing else mattered. It didn't mean shit, right? Nothing I was saying like sparked this girl's interest until I said the TEDx. And that happens so often that it still blows my mind because I'm like, it's so cool that, that people hold TEDx so dearly. You know what I mean? So it's been such a blessing and it was the perfect storm. So I got that TEDx and then the thing went viral a couple months later. And because I did a TEDx and that thing went viral, that linked me with the Modi uh, app guy Hugo, my boy, and that linked me with Alex Quinn. Alex Quinn was the first person to hit me up to get on the Netcon Hamptons. And ever since then, I've been getting booked on all these cool speaking gigs because of the TEDx and because I went viral. It was like one perfect storm. Boom. And then all these opportunities have come ever since. And it all started because of a couch. All, oh. star yo, all started <laughs> because of two girls in one table or couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. What I love about that story, there's a, well, there's a lot of things I love about that story, but the one, one of the things that really stuck out too was like, you know, you took this opportunity to be on TEDx stage. You didn't know like shit. You didn't know how to do, like you're saying, you didn't know how to do PowerPoint, this, no. this, and that. But you still said, yeah, like, you took the Richard Branson approach. I love it. That's <laughs> insane. What, I mean, like, because a lot of people, they'll be in that scenario where it's like, they have this opportunity. It's like, oh, I don't know what to do though. But like, no. it doesn't matter. You can Take learn. It. Uh, I'll give you a good example of that, right? So my, my best friend, business, uh, my best friend, business partner, he, um, he was hit up by this this place called Shoe Gallery. It's like a, it's like a staple in Miami. They they sell million dollar business a year in shoes. They, all the famous artists come there, whatever. And they asked him to run their online store and create the or I don't know if it was create the website, but run the online store or something. So I remember he hit me up one day. He's like, "Yo, they asked me to do this," and I was like, "Have you ever done that before?" He goes, "I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing." I was like, "So what'd you say?" He goes. I told him, yeah, what the fuck you think I'm going to say? I'm like, so you told a million dollar company that you're going to run their entire online store or create the website or something like that. And you've never done it. He goes, I'll figure it the fuck out. I'm going to turn down the opportunity. And he did. And now he's going on how many years they love him to death. He's killing it. And he literally had no clue if he can. I mean, that's a scary thing to do to say, yo, yeah. for a million dollar company or multi-million dollar company, hey, I'm going to come in here and do this. I've never done it before. And he did it. And now he's killing it. You know what I mean? So. 
bro, you have to take opportunity, even if you don't know how to do it, or you're going to miss out on a lot of shit. Facts. Bars. Yeah. <laughs> Bars. So, so true, man. So, um, I mean, I've seen your TEDx, but like, what, what was your TEDx about? Like, what was, the, what was the main message behind it? So the TEDx was called How to Survive Without a Job Through Failure. And I told my early life story. I talked about my nine to fives. And then I talked about the, how I failed at, at almost every business I tried. But within each failure, I learned something. I learned how to move to the next thing. And I learned how to be successful somehow or another. So I was just talking about failing and failing and failing to success, about how you need seven sources of income to become a millionaire, um, how to get inside the independent mindset as an entrepreneur, which I personally got into because of my upbringing. And, but you don't need you don't need to go through these astronomical situations in order to get yourself inside the independent mindset. You have to train your mind to get out of this nine to five mindset because there are some people that cannot operate unless they have micro, unless they have a boss or being micromanaged over their shoulder. And you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're sitting at home and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not infallible to perfect. I'm not perfect at all. There are days that I'm like, let me watch another episode of Breaking Bad. I got a little time and I'll turn that shit into three episodes and I just wasted three hours. So I could, I could have been an entrepreneur over 10 years and I still make these little mistakes. But you, you know, to make that transition, you really have to train your mind that if you don't do work, there's not going to be someone feeding you leads over your shoulders. And if you don't do work, you're going to get evicted from your apartment or your house. You know what I mean? You have to put in work and train your mind to be in that independent mindset as an entrepreneur because we're all raised and taught to be in this nine to five world. You know, we're not taught in college or high school to be entrepreneurs. We are taught to go into the fucking working world, which is bullshit. I mean, it's not, no, no, the working world's not bullshit, but they should teach multiple facets of life. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I mean, my, my dad's an entrepreneur. So like I had, right. he would, he would plant like seeds of entrepreneurship. I didn't realize it growing up, but he would plant seeds. Um, but even then, like the school system, like going through just regular grade school and then, you know, right. being in college, they, they're always talking about even, I mean, shit today, I had a class today where they're talking about like, oh, so you need this, this, and this, and then you'll get a good job and you'll be able to pay this. I'm like, no, no. Like I, I respect people who go and do that. Like there's a lot of people that they, they want the paycheck, which is, I mean, obviously totally fine, but you know, it, it's another thing to go out there and like create something for yourself. Cause at the end of the day, I realized is like, I want to make money for me. I don't, you know, I don't want to make money for somebody else. So that's why, you know, like I have like, I've had jobs and doing this and that. Sometimes it's required to get the capital to keep going. But at the end of the day, you're right. like, yeah, you have to train yourself. So like even outside of right. college, I had to read books. I had to go to these events. I had to, you know, talk like the podcast is like a big thing. It's helped me out too. Just like talking to right. people with mindset. So, it's like it, you got to right. train yourself. It's a process. Oh, no, I, you absolutely need to train yourself. And, and when you're working in nine to five, um, let's say, let's say you're making six figures, right? They, no matter what, they're going to cap you an amount. You can't make endless money in a nine to five. Even if you're making a lot of money, you're stuck at that a lot of money. What if, what if you're making six figures or living this comfortable life and you're like, I want to make, I don't just want to make a hundred grand a year. I want to make 140. No, they're not going to let you. You're only stuck at this amount. At least as an entrepreneur, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, the sky, the moon's the limit. You can, you can make endless amount of money if you really choose to scale up, you know? And uh, we live in this society where, you know, we're living this, you know, 10 hours a day and then you don't have enough time for your dreams and stuff like that, you know? So even if you're working a nine to five, I always encourage people to have side gigs and side money and side hustles always, you know what I mean? You never just want to be at that nine to five because you're making someone else rich and you're not making yourself rich, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And like a lot of people, they have the excuses like, Oh, I have nine ninety five. I don't have time to do anything. You could right. do something for like an hour, just an hour. Oh, you could, like, bro, you could figure it out. 
Trust yeah. me. There's it's, ways to figure it out. Absolutely. You have, you, have, you have to be a problem solver. That's how you know if you're right. going to you know, do well is if you can solve those problems. And that's a small right. one to solve. Yeah, literally yep. just 30 minutes to an hour at, or that minimum. Like you can do that. It's easy. Right. Facts, bro. Absolutely. So going more into, you know, your story now, you're, you're kind of like the viral guy now. I'm so, the viral guy. Yeah, you're the viral guy now, man. That's crazy. So like what, what got you into making these like viral pieces of content and what was the first one that really popped off and you knew like, okay, I need to do this. Yeah, so it, it, it was an interesting story. So um, I had, I was kind of over music. I love music to death. I spent so much time in it. That's how I got verified on Instagram. It was great. But I was just tired of a lot of pumping my own money and not, not, not move. You only, I, I would only move up like notches. I wouldn't move by leaps and bounds, you know? You make an album and somebody will digest that album in two days or less or maybe in 50 minutes and they're done. You're, that's it. The content doesn't go nowhere. I mean, I mean, it does, you know, it depends on who you are. Yes, sometimes it'll go viral, but it's harder, right? So I've always like had this like, you know, comedic side. My dad was always making funny videos and I did some of my, you know, some skits in my, in my, uh, my mixtape. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to lose my name. I don't want to lose my following. I'm already verified. And I made a conscious decision to, tr to kind of switch over to doing funny stuff. And I literally wrote it on a whiteboard. I said, yo, you got one year to go viral, right? And make something happen. So Boom. the first thing I, yeah, the first thing I did was this stupid ass skit. It was horrible called the Cardi B mating call where we're joking about, it was so bad. I can't even watch it. And it's basically so me and this girl that came down from Texas and we, we're like hollering at each other through Cardi B, uh, uh, you know, how she talks. So, so I walk up to a girl, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. and we're just like hollering at each other. So. I put that out there. It did pretty well. It went on some viral Instagram sites. It got like 200,000 or something views on Facebook. I learned how to run ads just to experiment and stuff like that. So the next one I did, I kept doing skits and they were, they were doing okay. And then I did this thing where I walked in the Sawgrass Mall pretending to be a celebrity. And I had two fake bodyguards. Two, uh, I, I had like 12 actors planted in the crowd. I had two fake paparazzi and two of the girls went up to me and they're like, oh my God, it's Brian Bridge. And then like, yo, 20 seconds later, no joke, a hundred people were lined up to take pictures, sign autographs. I had eight people tell me I was their favorite actor. I got followed at the mall. A uh, security escorted me out the mall. It was the craziest shit I've ever experienced Dude, in my life. What? That is wild. It was crazy. And then, uh, so that went semi-viral. So it got put on these two big viral sites. It got shared so much. Like it was, it was one of my biggest ones. So then I felt like, I'm on the red, like people were thanking me like, yo, this shit is great, bro. Like you need to keep doing this. You know what I mean? So then, you know, I'm doing some skits. I collab with Don Benjamin in LA. That would be okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, right. And this was the, the funniest part about this. This was the one that I didn't prepare for at all. Like at all, all the other ones I take weeks to prepare and I'm planning it and I'm writing out scripts, bro. I woke up one morning, I saw a Facebook video that really inspired me and every Christmas, New Year's, I try to do something positive anyway, before any of this viral shit. And um, so I woke up and I made a sign, or no, I pretended to be homeless. I, I ripped my clothes, I put dirt all over my face and I made a sign that says, please, please I need some help for my family during the holidays. So I went to Target um, over near the Broward Mall and I held the sign and my videographer was hidden in the car and anyone that gave me a dollar or 50 cents or offered me food, I, uh, I would stop them and be like, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it because they thought I was homeless. And then I hand them a $100 bill in return. And I handed out $500 um, in total. And I got great reactions. One guy cried. 
Uh, one guy had a son with him. He was like, thank you so much for this teachable moment. Someone offered me food. So um, the story got picked up by Channel 7. And they, they emailed me late at night, like 10 o'clock. And they're like, hey, can you meet us at the Target in like 20 minutes? And we want to interview you. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I didn't reply back. I waited about 20, 30 minutes. I was like laying in my boxes. And I got dressed first. And then I ran over to Target. Uh, photojournalist interviewed me. And all of a sudden, bro, within, four, within the next four days, I got messages from CNN, Fox, MSNBC, NBC, yeah, front page. They went on the, uh, the front of Yahoo, radio.com. Like, it got picked up by every news story in the, in the, in the, or news station in the country. And then it went internationally viral. I got messages from Greece. I got messages from Russia, uh, Greece, Hawaii, Russia, I think, a bunch of different places. And it was just crazy. So then I got hit up by a bunch of different managers to try to manage me. I got connections. And so after that, so that went like internationally, but that was the one. That was the one that, that took it to another level. And then after that, I kept trying to up myself. So I put up a billboard over I-95. My head oh, on a Yeah, I put my head on a naked body. And that was after I was getting a lot of shady managers trying to contact me. So, bro, that shit got me a team. That shit got me to be on Dining Divas TV show. That got me on that documentary you saw. That got me a PR guy and a manager, which I, which I ended up splitting with. But so then um, I did a prank at the Miami Heat game in front of 20,000 people on the Jumbotron. I was on the Jumbotron, and I pretended to propose to my girlfriend it was funny, y'all. I was just at a wedding, and I brought this up, and two people at the wedding were like, "Oh shit, that was you! You were there <laughs> in the game! What?" So it's crazy how people remember this shit. And uh, so I got on one knee, I dropped the ring. Uh, my girl, my fake girl, um, was like, "Oh my god!" She walked out on me. I chased after her, and then some dude from like Fox was there. He tweeted it out, and then Channel Seven called me um, the next day. They were like, "Hey, are you the guy that was part of this thing?" Um, was it a prank or was it real? And I said, yo, if, if I tell you if it was a prank, are you still, still going to run the story? They're like, yeah, definitely. I said, not only was it a prank, but I was also the guy from the homeless guy video that you guys ran the story on. They're like, no shit, that was you? <laughs> and so when I got here, the, the guy that was here, he called his producer and he goes, yo, I just confirmed that that's the guy that also did the homeless thing. He goes, make sure, make sure that's him. We got to make sure that's the same guy. I was like, yo, it's me. I did both of them. So they ran the story and that kind of went viral. So I did the, from the billboard to the homeless thing, to the Miami Heat prank. And then I did this verified prank where I tried to get free shit being verified. So it was like, you know, the main one that went viral was the homeless one, but it was like a series of me trying to top myself. And all this stuff has created so much opportunity and it blows me away. And it's only been like a year that I've been doing this as opposed to like a decade in music, which got me places. But the, the opportunities I've gotten from this viral stuff way out exceeds anything I did from music, you know? So that's the, that's the story. <laughs> that is absolutely wild. <laughs> I, I still can't believe some of it. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing this year? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like people looking at me after doing all this, damn. <laughs> I know it's it's bizarre, bro. That is wild. So, what is it that makes a piece of like? How do you, I guess, how do you go viral? Because I mean, there's a lot of people who like do skits or whatever. They might be might do something crazy. I don't know. They're probably not doing like anything like on a jumbo trying to hit game. But I mean, like even in the beginning, like what are those elements that really help a piece go viral? And how do you really push that? Right. And it's funny that that's what I spoke about at NetCon. That's what I'll be speaking out. That's what I'll be speaking at September, uh, speaking on about uh, at September 7th at the, the Margaritaville event and in LA at NetCon. Um, so 
number one, when you make a viral video, you don't, you don't want to go, I mean, you could go viral for like being an idiot and taking a shit on a lawn or something like that, but you rather go viral for like a good reason. So what you want to do is when you have a piece of content, the first thing you need to do is figure out where it's going to go. You, not every video, people think things just go viral to go viral. It's not as easy as people think. Not every piece of content goes viral. If you have this amazing piece and you just post it on YouTube, you may get lucky and it'll catch, but most 90% of the time it's not catching. So you need to do strategic things. When you have this polished video in your hand, like I did with the homeless prank. So the homeless one, I, it went viral more through the news and, and also kind of along the internet because it was shared by so many stations. But I took that video and I thought to myself, all right, where could this go? Should I send it to Worldstar? No, Worldstar is more, you know, fight stuff, sexy stuff. Should I send it to this BuzzFeed? No, they're not going to. So I needed to think of where I'm going to post it. And I'm like, you know what? This is a feel-good story. I think the news would like it. So I submitted that to Channel 7. But here's the thing. It would never have went viral if, if there was a heavy news cycle. So it was kind of strategy. Donald Trump didn't say nothing crazy. Uh, I know this sounds fucked up, but there was no mass shootings. There was no far, you know, there was nothing crazy at the time. So it allowed it to kind of go through. So when you have a piece of viral content that you feel is viral content, you have to research. You got to see where you could send it. If you're going to, if it's a pet video, if you want to send it to America's Funniest Videos or Lad Bible, if it's a, a you know, a, a social experiment, maybe you could send it to Unilad or, or some of these other ones, um, Zooming Viral. So first of all, you got to know where to send it. With the Cardi B video, I strategically seeked out all Cardi B fan pages, all the ones that follow her, and I targeted them specifically for a week. I got, I got it in front of her through connections of mine. Um, her makeup artist got it in front of her. Um, I got read receipts that she read it. So it, she didn't end up posting, but the point is that I did my research on where to get the video. So that's just one thing. First of all, you got to know where to send the video. The second thing is that let's say you're a real estate guy and you're doing real estate videos. Like what you want to do is you want to strategically plant Easter eggs in all your videos in order to create minimal amount of controversy. So people will start to either argue or comment when they never would have commented. So I, when I was in Netcon, I was talking to this guy who's in real estate and he's like, yo, what do you think I should do with a real estate video to make it go viral? And I say, you know what? I just thought about this on the spot. I put no effort into this thought, but I'm like, you know what? What do they normally do in real estate videos? They stand in front of the house they're selling and they talk. Who the fuck wants to see that? It's the same bullshit in every video. So I'm like, why don't you joke? Why don't you stand in front of a dumpster? And I was like, why don't you sell a mansion standing in front of a dumpster? Because you know what that's going to do? It's going to create a minimal of like 100 comments that never would have commented. Now, even if they're not your demographic of people you're going to sell the house to, guess what? All those comments are going to boost you up in the algorithms. They're going to boost you up, and then it'll eventually get in front of the right people. So then I told them, I was like, and also this. I'm like, if you're shooting a video and you got a stain on your shirt, right? Don't, don't look at it and be like, oh, uh, uh, editor, we got to get that stain out. I said, no, fuck that. Leave the stain. And then also, let's say you have a stain on your shirt, right? And then while you're shooting, there's a guy in the background walking a dog, and, he acts, and the dog takes a shit behind you in the video. I said, you know what? Leave the dog shitting and leave the stain. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have 50 people that never would have commented talking about your stain because people want to say negative shit. That's how people are. And they want to go viral in the comment section. And then you're going to have another 100 people commenting on the dog. So why you got these people that didn't see the dog shit, this people that didn't see the stains, people are going to read the comments and everyone's going to start commenting about the dog shit and the stains. And then all of a sudden you got 1,000 comments that you never had before, but those 1,000 comments boosted you up in the algorithms to get the video in front of the right people. And then your, your video went viral because you got a dog shit and a stain on your shirt. So 
even if it see okay so those things are by accident right so the stain was accidental and the dog shit was accidental what if you didn't wait for accidental shit to happen what if you planted strategic shit in your video to create people to content and they don't even know it what if you're what if you mismatch your socks on purpose what if you put a ridiculous tie on purposely so 80 people that would never comment on your video are going to comment on your dumbass tie but you know what it doesn't matter if your tie is dumbass or not because people are commenting and that's boosting you up in the algorithms probably get you on the explore page so my suggestion to everybody trying to go viral is to plant little easter eggs in your video to create multiple uh, uh threads of conversation to get your ass up in the algorithms that's perfect oh. damn a, a couple suggestions hey yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna write that down <laughs> start doing that in my videos damn that's awesome dude that's great. So how did, how did you come about like knowing that process? I mean, was that something you just kind of noticed or was that something like, have you had anybody help you out with like going viral or? No, failing is how I learned it all. <laughs> Fucking up a million times, running bad Facebook ads, uh, putting the word Instagram in a video, which wouldn't allow me to run a Facebook ad, which I had no clue until after I posted it. So also, but no, other than that, I do, I kind of study these viral videos and I learned this a lot through um, a couple things. I learned it through Britney Spears. I learned it through Takashi 69 And what I mean by that is this. I don't know if you remember the whole Britney. It was, it was years ago, back in like yeah. 2009 or something. So Britney Spears, I don't want to say she went crazy because that's, that's, that's wrong of me to say. She, she was having her issues. And basically what happened was she, she shaved her head and, you know, everybody was attacking her, attacking her, attacking her, negative, negative. And then all of a sudden, and this, this is what I've noticed on so many videos, bro. If you have enough negativity eventually positivity comes to the rescue. I swear to God. So it, Britney Spears was being attacked. And then all of a sudden, the whole world's like, enough, stop attacking her. And then when, she, and then when, when, when everyone put their foot down and all these fans came to a rescue, she got magazine covers. She got resurrected. They were, they were putting her on a show. She blew up. Takashi 69 right? I, I'm not a fan of his at all. But he started doing these dumbass videos and everybody was writing negative, 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 negative. But all of a sudden, people, the, the positive people came to his rescue. Yo, why are you guys talking so much shit? He's doing his thing. Hey, leave him alone. He's doing his thing. And you know what? So much of this positive people came to his rescue that this guy started getting millions upon millions of views, fans, real people supporting him. So once you have enough negative, the people come to support you. It's crazy. It's like this weird social experiment. If you get enough negativity on a video, eventually positive people will come to your rescue because everyone's getting sick of seeing you getting bashed. But, but they'll let you get bashed just enough where you're down and out and then they'll come to your rescue. They won't save you in the beginning. So it's like this weird thing that I've noticed with, with, with viral videos, man. People will bash the shit out of you until finally someone comes to rescue you. And, though, and what, what comes to rescue you is all the comments, boosting your ass up in the algorithms. That's it. Damn. So it's, it's more so like a, like a patience play on the, on the back end of it all. On the back end, it really is, bro. You just got to let the negativity weed itself out. But, but you got to keep dropping content too. And I learned this through uh, the Rick Ross and 50 Cent situation. So it, this was back in the day as well. But uh, back in the day, Rick, uh, 50 Cent had a beef with Ja Rule. Uh, he went at him and Ja Rule in public eye, the perception was Ja Rule got murdered by 50 Cent and his career is over because of 50 Cent. The reality is just he stopped making music because he had some legal trouble and that screwed him over. If anything, Ja Rule was the person that physically attacked 50 Cent in some situation. 
But the perception, even to this day when they talk about it, people will be like, oh, 50 Cent killed his career. No, it's because the perception was uh, Ja Rule stopped dropping music. Now, uh, if you take the same situation with Rick Ross, 50 Cent was attacking Rick Ross mercilessly. 50 Cent went to a point where he had one of his boys fuck Rick Ross's baby's moms. Like, it was fucked up. Like, it was so bad, bro. Like, I was like, wow, 50, you crossed the line. That was nuts. But you know what happened? Rick Ross kept dropping music. He never stopped dropping music. So the perception at the beginning was like, oh, 50 Cent's getting murdered, murdered. But every week, Rick Ross is dropping a hit song. So the perception started being, Rick Ross didn't get murdered. He's killing it. He's doing his thing. He didn't stop. So the same thing with viral videos. If you put out one that all this negative shit's coming, drop another. Then drop another. Then drop four more. And by the time you drop that six one, nobody's going to fucking remember any of that negativity on the first one because you've already dropped six and they're well past it. Donald Trump's a good example. He does one thing that, that's, you know, whether you're a fan of him or not, I'm not saying negative or positive. I'm just saying when he says something crazy, three weeks later, he's already said 15 crazy things that nobody remembers the first thing he said and that's gone and it gets washed away with the wind and he's good to go. He's in the clear because he's going to do something else crazy. And so that's what you want to do. Consistent. You got to be consistent with your content, whether you're doing bad or good. And the perception will be you're strong and you made it and you kept going. I love that. I love that. I mean, like just despite the negativity, despite the failures, like you, you have to keep going because people will, really? like you said, they'll ultimately forget. Like oh, yeah. nobody, nobody remembers the, the fuck ups you had in the beginning or the failures, yeah. this and that. Like, cause I mean, like with, with even like with you, I mean, nobody, nobody sits here and talks about, you know, like, cause within your tech talk, you're talking about nine to fives and failures, isn't that, but right. you know, people still see you as, you know, a speaker. They see you as a TEDx guy. They see right. you as a file guy. They see, right. you know, it, it doesn't like nobody remembers all the negative shit because the positive right, stuff right. ends up in the end showing through as long as you keep pushing forward. Exactly. And there are some videos that I remember posting. Like I remember telling myself when I started doing this viral stuff, post the bad too. And I remember posting some bad ones and it was horrible reactions. I got negative reviews and I'm just like, I'm out, I'm done, I'm out, I'm down and out, this stuff. But then I'll post a good one and then I'll feel like a high again. I'll be resurrected from my, from my people. I'm like, okay, they love me again. And then I'll post another shitty one. They're like, bro, you suck. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and then I'll Damn. post a positive one. They're like, yo, you're the best. I had an aunt that never commented on one one thing that I've ever done on Facebook, right? And then I post this one prank where I walk into a restaurant and I and my this is we did this live in front of fucking people in a restaurant and I'm screaming at my real dad that he's cheating on or that my fiance is cheating on me with him. And we played out the scenario in a restaurant and it was it was crazy. We did it in Azteca Mexican restaurant. And um so I posted that and she went ape shit. And this is an aunt I don't even talk to. She's like, oh you're fuck I can't believe you did this. This is fucked up. How dare you? And my dad's like, yo, what the fuck's wrong? Why don't you comment on the other 8,000 things that he's done? And, and she's talking all this shit. But then I had posted something. I think it was the social experiment, the mall one, or something that I did that was dope. And she's like, she writes underneath it, Brian, you're a genius. I'm like, huh? Like what? She told me I was a piece of shit <coughs> and nothing I did mattered. And I suck at everything. And now I'm a fucking genius because there's something you like. But you see how they forget? You know what I mean? So... The point, what I'm trying to make is keep posting content. You got to keep going. That is so funny. <laughs> like the, the, the complete dichotomy of the two. Fuck you. Oh, you're amazing. Like, <laughs> oh, dude. That's oh, crazy. Man. So 
going more into, you know, deeper, you know, going deeper into content and social media, you actually just got asked to be part of a social media documentary and you're a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about that? I don't know how much you can talk about it, but you know. Oh yeah, it's, it's cool. It's called the unfollow, the unfollow movie documentary. And it's basically, he has a lot of influencers in there. He has a, 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 you know, big social media people. And the whole gist of it really is how social media affects our lives. So every person he's talking, you know, he just did, uh, he just interviewed Andrea Campo and he did me, he did this other like big DJ or whatever. So basically, you know, what he asked me was, you know, how do you feel about other countries suppressing social media? Do you think it's warranted? Um, he asked me questions about how does it affect me on my day-to-day life, you know, so it's all about, it's all about basically, um, social media in our day and age, almost like that show Black Mirror. If you, if you watch Black Mirror, you know, like a lot of it's about, you know, there's a, there's a, in China right now, or is it China? I'm not sure. I think it's China. It's China. No joke. Yeah. You actually give people ratings on their social life basically, and it'll prevent you from getting an event. If you think, if you get a if me and you have an interaction, right, and you have a bad interaction with me by accident or something, just like that Black Mirror episode, you can go on this app, fucking rate Brian Breach at a, I don't know the rating system, but let's say it's at a one, and you will drop my score from like a seven to three, and I could have gotten to this famous king's wedding, but now I can't get into this king's wedding or this prince's wedding because Chase rated me a damn one, and this is real over there, like. You are being rated on your social status, and it's it's bizarre to me. You know what I mean? I mean, I like it in a sense because I guess I'm a social media person now. But like, holy yeah, you're good. shit! <laughs> yeah, bro. I hope I get rated good if I ever go to China. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. That I mean, just the thought of that is wild. That the fact that everything is now like literally everything is now turning to social media, even when it comes to like access to things. That's nuts. Right. It is, bro. That is crazy. I'm kind of it's pretty there, nuts, but I kind yeah. of went over there just to see what my rating would be. Right? Have you ever seen that Black Mirror episode or no? Yeah, that was the first one I watched. Actually, that was the that was what got me into the show. The you one know? with the redhead where she couldn't get in a wedding, bro. It yeah, was so amazing. I mean, that was that that sh- that uh, episode resonated with me more than any of them, bro. I was like, wow. Yeah. I you feel like I mean? of all the episodes, like that one was the one that was most like real. real. Like yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. could happen. Facts, bro. That's crazy. crazy. And if that show happened, uh, what what happens to the other episodes? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that that show's nuts. And you know, I always tell people like, I wish, like I wish I could live forever. Some people don't want to, but if I can live, if I can like pay somebody let me live another two hundred years, three hundred years, the main reason I'd want to live, other than to be around my friends and family, I want to see where technology is going to go. I'm so yeah. excited because, bro, we all this technology that we're experiencing right now. This shit's only like 10 years old. This isn't yeah, if that. in yeah, the history of our life. Airplanes was in the last 200 years, uh, 150 years. Um, uh, telephones, camera phones, all this is fucking 30 years old. Video games, this shit's all 40 years old, bro. And, and the earth, whether you believe the earth is 6,000 years or a billion years or a million years, in the history of our life, it's only the last 30 years. Could you imagine where we're going to be in 400 years? Bro, me and you are going to be holograms in front of one another, being able to like shake hands, basically. It's, we're going to be able to send avatars out in the world of our, our different bodies. I could be this old, fat, disgusting guy, just like that movie Bruce Willis, and I could send out an avatar, I bet, and, and be this hot-looking young guy going to have sex with beautiful women and just sit on my couch eating a Snickers bar, bro. That's how it's going to be. I, Dude, I, I wow. wish to God I was able to see it. I'm so disappointed that I can't live another 100 years. You know what I mean? 
well, you know what, with technology going, maybe you will. <laughs> Good point, bro. Good point. That is insane. Have you seen, um, you know, not to get like too off topic, but um, what was I, I was talking to, um, what was it? Oh, Alex Think, Alex Inkel, uh, you know, the yeah, yeah. social X, that guy. Uh, yeah. We were talking about like something like this where like technology is going. They're developing now uh, like biofeedback technology with like the brain. where Because you know how there's like the AR, VR technology where you put on the headset, you have like the remotes. Yeah. And there's like a, there's an application where you can use remotes like paint in AR, VR, whatever. Yes. Um, they're that. setting something up now to where like you have like a headset or something and it reads your brain waves and basically waves you can paint. Are you serious? It's nuts. Yo, that's crazy. Have, have you seen what Zuckerberg launched where you can go in? It, it hasn't, it hasn't came out yet, but I saw it like a year ago where you can go inside your, uh, your Facebook messenger and instead of being, instead of just sending a picture, you're in a, like, almost like a virtual cartoon world. And you, you have an avatar body. And basically, you could sit around a table or, or a couch or something with other people. Me and you are emoji. Not emoji. Are, I don't know what we are. We're like these little avatar cartoon GIFs or whatever. And right. we can share pictures that way and hand each other pictures. And it's this whole new world where it's almost like The Sims, where you're like a cartoon character and you can hang out in your in your um messenger and it's a real thing they're launching it i don't know when but i what saw is? it it's bro i don't know what's gonna happen in, in 30 years but bro i can't wait to see what's gonna happen bro that is i'm wild. so excited i gotta see it yeah, uh, yeah. Only i will see it we'll see it but yeah, <laughs> that's we'll absolutely it. insane man sheesh brian thank you so much for coming on the show today man this has been an absolute pleasure i got one sure. more question that i've been Boom. doing recently that i, th I really like so let's say that you were the one doing the interview and you were interviewing Brian Breach. What would you ask? Oh man, what would I ask? Damn, that's a, that should be, I feel like it should be like a deep question, but I would probably say, yeah, maybe I would ask uh, if you can bring one person back to life from the past to sit and have an hour long conversation with in a park, who would it be? I would probably say that question because uh, there's so many amazing people and, and I think I may have been asked that question before. And I think, I mean, there's so many great figures, but I would actually bring back my great grandfather, Joseph Hyman, and talk to him when he was younger because, um, you know, he was already older. Uh, he passed away, I think it was 2002. He lived to 104 or something like that. He was born in 1898. But he had told me stories about how my family was killed in the Holocaust. And I've always wanted to like verify the stories. I've always wanted to go detailed and hear more. Because when, when I was talking about it, I was more of a kid. I wasn't like, I, I really want to know the details of what happened and try to really do the research and find out, you know, I don't get a list or something, you know, and really like go into that, into my past. Because I love learning about my past, you know. So if I can bring back anyone, sit, sit for an hour, probably be my great grandfather, Joe Hyman um and, and and hear the story about how he escaped so that would probably be it that is that's wild wow yeah. that'd be super Crazy. powerful unbelievable man i would love to hear those stories again like real stories you know just for the right. sake of knowing where i came from absolutely especially like during that like that period of time that was an so insane nuts, bro. i can't i still can't, i can't even conceive it I, I try to think about it like, like you ever sit there and think about space? Where does it end? Where does it go? Your brain yeah. almost can't get there. I it try to think about yeah. how they allowed 11 million people total to be murdered. Like, I just can't wrap my brain around it. Same with slavery. I just can't wrap my brain around, uh, uh, like around why people would do that and how I just don't get it. You know what I mean? It's why it's just like, it's one of those things of just, you see how far down like humanity could go. Right. Right. It's terrifying.
It's wow. freaking nuts, bro. Sheesh. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bro. Thanks for have, uh, coming on, Brian. If people want to connect with you or you know work with you in any sort of way, how can they go about doing so? All right, uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Brian Breach. Twitter, I believe, is Brian underscore Breach. Oh three. Facebook is Brian Breach. Oh three. YouTube is Brian Breach. Oh three. Jesus, I uh, my Snap, my LinkedIn, my MySpace. Uh, we have so many damn networks. Yeah. So <laughs> ma mainly. Mainly Instagram. What a lot of people don't know about me is I'm very accessible. I love responding back to people, and I love, you know, I love trying to help people. So yeah, Brian Breach on Instagram is probably the main hub. So find me there, folks. Perfect. You're you're easy to spot because you get that little blue check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me. Um, Perfect. I'm definitely easy. I'm definitely easy, ladies. Wait, no. I'm <laughs> There you yeah. heard it, ladies. Go go find them on Instagram. Go find that blue check. <laughs> you know. Thank you, Brian, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Young, Healthy, Wealthy Show. And until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Young, Healthy, Wealthy Show. My name is Chase Henderfit. I am your host. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. And I have one favor to ask. Please just share this episode with one person. You never know who it could help impact. And if you share it on your Instagram story, I'll repost it on mine. So until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy.